day, good evening sun, I'll see you soon. Awake on my own terms lately, who's to say we're upside down? Who's to say we're falling if we miss the ground? Who's to say we're going nowhere if we like spinning around and round? Hello, listeners, and welcome to Ace Space, the podcast about being ace and loving space, brought to you by the Tashi Station Network. I'm Shoshana. And I'm Seth. Thank you for tuning in to hear us talk. Last time was episode one, in which we talked about representation and headcanons, and we're all excited because the episode went up on Ace Week. Yes, that was some good timing on our part. Yes. Good job, us. <laughs> High five. <laughs> High five. Do I hit the microphone? I don't know what to do there. Please don't hit the microphone. Okay. The microphone good. would be sad. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to hear us talk about the importance of explicit representation, which is extremely important, and also some ace headcanons, which are also important, but not quite the same as explicit representation, listen to that episode. Yeah. And if you want to hear about other things, such as Pokemon, potentially, listen to this episode. Yes. We do enjoy Pokemon. <laughs> but before we get into the wondrous world of pocket monsters, um, we received a DM from an anonymous listener X relaying some experiences that they wanted to share. Yeah. That is their real name, by the way, Anonymous. Yes, yes, it's Anonymous Listener X. Their parents had a very interesting taste in names. <laughs> I don't know, somehow they knew that they were going to call into a podcast. So, I don't know, psychic parents. Yeah, they were good at this. Yes. Who reads? You or me? I can read it. Okay, cool. So, Anonymous Listener X says that when they first told their dad that they were base, he said he was happy that they came to him about their, quote, problem, unquote. Because he said he had a similar problem, even though he's a sex addict. And then they told their mom, and they say that she's accepting now, they guess. But at first, she kept telling them to stop labeling themselves and that they don't know because they've never had sex and that sort of thing. And now they say that uh, with their boyfriend, they do some stuff. It can be nice, sure, but they can definitely live without it. And while many of their more liberal friends are cool with it, they get jokes from other friends about asexuality not friends who know that they're asexual but sometimes they make jokes about people reproducing with themselves and that sort of thing um and they say that they'd like to hear our opinion i love the old asexual does that mean you reproduce with yourself like a tree and i'm just like mm, no that's not what it means i think there's some trees that like also technically have like sexes too so i mean like because there's different sexed flowers right that's why they need bees to pollinate yeah so it's, or like this, the flowers have different parts. Yeah. And they need to like cross pollinate. They don't reproduce with themselves. And I think, and I know some trees are like that too. So that horrible stereotype doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah. Come on guys. Get, get your, get your biology right. <laughs> yeah. This, this whole thing is like rather identifiable for me. Um, and I'm sure a lot of other people as well. The, the whole idea that you have to have sex to know you're asexual is really annoying and it's quite dismissive it's just like hey you don't like this thing go do it to prove you don't like it it's not even that it's you don't crave this thing go do it to prove you don't crave it like that's it's the same as telling someone who's straight but you can't know you're straight unless you have gay sex <laughs> yeah or telling people like 
oh, like bisexuals get that too. They're like, oh, how do you know you're bisexual if you've only ever dated men? And it's just like, it's because I know I know I like ladies. I mean, I'm not saying that from my experience. I have dated both, but people definitely get that. And it is, it's really, I always forget the word I want when I'm trying to say things, but it's really um, erasive. That's not a word. It's really dismissive. Dismissive, yeah, to like say someone is in a certain sexuality because they haven't done what you deem like acceptable to prove that they're their, their sexuality. Um, I mean, it just goes back to like being straight and being allosexual as being the default. And if you aren't those things, you need to prove that you're not in some way because everybody's that really. You must have solid evidence that you are not these things. Yeah. It's just awful, especially because, like, for a lot of asexual people, like, they can be sex repulsed or it can cause trauma. People don't need to put themselves into situations that can hurt them just to prove that they're not what somebody else deems the default. Yeah, I also identified with that part, with what they were saying there, when they were saying that their um, mom kept telling them to stop labeling themselves and that they couldn't know because they never had sex, except I'm more identifying with the uh, being told to stop labeling myself part since that's almost exactly the response i got when i first told a relative yeah i've heard a lot of people get that response and i don't really understand it either like labeling is just something that people do like a lot of like a lot of people don't like labels but it's easy for us to put ourselves in boxes to identify ourselves and make it easily identifiable for other people and people like don't label yourself and i'm just like well then what do you want me to do have a word for myself i don't understand because we do have a sense of a default, and with that sense of a default, there's this sense that other things can't exist, and that's why we have the labels, so that we, you know, are acknowledging that they can. And so that, it's like how it's a lot easier to be colorblind when you're white. Yeah. Kind of oh, my God. Like, yeah, you don't need a word for straight if you and everyone you you know is straight. But if they're not, then obviously being able to... If, if they're not and they're still, like, marginalized, you need to be able to identify it rather than just ignoring them and pretending they aren't there. Yeah, and it always comes back to, as well, like, people who think that, like, allosexual or cisgendered are slurs because they're not words they came up with for themselves or whatever. And it's like, no, those are just ways of saying the other type of identification. Oh, it's like how there was a, a, a there was a an author who was complaining. Obviously, he was a probably well-off cis white dude who was complaining about the fact that what used to be just called fiction now has the word literary in front of it. Oh, and he my was God. saying that it was it was degrading, you know, Wait. those books to have a that kind of have that word in front of it and said so he was basically Wait, he apparently he, degrading to have your work called literary fiction instead of just fiction yes because, oh my god oh because oh my god because then you're like basic then, then you're saying it's a genre basically. but it That's- is though like it's not it's not like there's a non-genre type of writing and that everything else is a genre everything fits into like as stupid as genres can be everything kind of fits into a genre and also like literary fiction is put on a pedestal for being literary fiction it's definitely not a dismissive name that is the stupidest thing i've ever heard yeah and that's what this sort of thing reminds me of really but it's like yeah there's also i think another part of it it too is relatives like not wanting like they want you to be you know what they think of as normal and if there's a special word for it then it's outside of that yeah and it's probably the thing of like not wanting to explain it to friends or family as well like 
Um, within their little comfort bubble. and Yeah, like there are definitely parents that talk about their kids to their friends and their their own family. And I guess it's like they don't want to be like, my kid's asexual. And they're like, what does that mean? And they have to explain it and be like, yes, it's stupid, but that's what they are. You know how these kids are kind of thing. Not allowing people to label themselves is just such an awful thing to do. Like even if you if you don't agree with a label or if you don't like it, I mean – Unless they're labeling themselves like something like a neo-Nazi or something, then then that's bad. But um, like if somebody is it somebody's gender or if it's their sexuality, if that's what they feel and that's what they're comfortable as and that's what makes them happy, then it's nobody else's business to tell them whether or not they can label themselves. And it just makes me so mad when people think they can. Like there's obviously you know common sense lines like the um the lady who arbitrarily decided she was black. Um, yeah, that's just, that's not good. That stuff is just bad. That's not the same thing, but, like, like that's not, okay, there's all kinds of things tied up with that. But this, like, when it comes to identity, when you're just trying to find a good way to describe what you are and how you experience the world, you're all excited because you finally found a thing that describes you, and then someone's response to that is... Don't label yourself. Don't tell anyone. How can you know? Maybe sometime in the if if you label yourself, you're cutting off all sorts of different possibilities. And maybe sometime in the future, what if sometime in the future you do like change your mind? And it's like, well, that's that's future me problem. Yeah, then future me can change my mind. Like sexuality can definitely be fluid. And like maybe you're asexual now. Maybe one day in the future you'll find someone that you don't feel so asexual around. And that can happen, but that's not necessarily what will happen. And, like, labels can come and go. Labels can change. They fluctuate. I know so many people that have gone through different labels for their sexuality as they've grown and changed themselves. And that's just just how it is. And I guess people who don't, like, people who are just straight and cis and just, like, kind of the norm, like, quotes the norm, they don't really have a need for that. They don't realize that things like that can change and can be fluid. But for people like us who do have that or who differ in some way and want a way to describe ourselves and find a term that makes us understand ourselves better and help us recognize with other people because of that is so important. Have you been seeing any of that uh, of the discussion about the YA controversy going on right now on Twitter I or Tumblr? I have totally missed that, I think. Um, there's apparently a book called Ramona Blue that is coming out that some people have been like giving really bad reviews to. For very specific reasons. And I heard about this when um, the comic creator Melanie Gillian, Gillian, I do not know how to pronounce their last name, but (laughs) they were commenting on it and saying that, okay, people are saying the premise is problematic and like maybe the execution is, but you know, I don't know because this book's not out and the premise doesn't seem like a problem to me. This seems like it's relating an experience a lot of queer people go through, but okay. So if you go to the if you go read the description of Ramona Blue, it's basically super to super summarize it. It seems like it's about a lesbian who finds herself attracted to a guy, which means that she's figuring out that she's bi, I guess. So like as, you know, Melanie was saying, it, you know, depending on the execution, it could mean a lot of things. But like, I don't know, someone finding a different aspect of their sexuality and having to adjust their identity is something a lot of people have to go through. But there's a feeling of betrayal, I guess, people are going through because there is 
you know, the terrible trope of people who don't fit in the norm being fixed when they fight the right dude or whatever, especially with lesbians. Yeah, I'm, I never like, heard about that book, but... Yeah, no, I hadn't heard about it either until yesterday or today. But this is apparently like a, a big thing people are discussing. And some people are very much up in arms about this. And I'm kind of glad I'm not on Tumblr anymore because holy crap, I can, Ooh, I can yeah. see the discussion. Yeah, yeah, that would not be... That would be very polarized on Tumblr. I mean, everything is. But like... I don't, I don't know. Like cha- changing, changing identities, like it's something you have to deal with sometimes. And it's like... Yeah, it's just a, a reality of life for people. So, like, freaking out now that my identity be, might change in the future, it seems like that's just going to be harmful for me all around. Yeah, and it can also put undue pressure on yourself to try and change your own sexuality and to find ways to change it, which would which isn't healthy either, to be like, oh, my sexuality might change, and so you're constantly looking for it changing and trying to find that or trying to force yourself into it. And when it comes to this book, I'm, I'm curious because I'm going to read it now because... It sounds interesting, and I'm curious whether or not it's going to be bisexual or fluid sexuality or just she's actually straight, which I don't think it will be that because that seems like a like I don't know any author who would be stupid enough to do that in this environment. And yet it happens a lot. I mean, yeah. And it's not even and then she's actually straight. It's and then she becomes straight is a thing that happens and stuff. And it's like, no, my sexuality exists, you guys. It does, but people forget it does. So who knows if this book will actually be that. But yeah, it's a good example of how sexuality does does change. And not always, but it can change. And people can find different things um, in their lives. And that's just, that's just normal. Like, I mean, I get that all the time because I'm ace flux. Like, I'm constantly fluctuating between it. And it's a pain in the ass because it's not a slow change thing. It's just like a, one day I'll wake up and be like, okay. I'm very ace today. Um, and then it'll be like that for a couple months. And then I'll wake up the next day and be like, ah, okay, guess I'm always ace today. And it's just, it's just a normal part of life. Yes. There's like the, a heated discussion around this book based entirely on the, um, on the back description, not even from people who've read it. Yeah. And again, it could end up being justified concern, but we don't know because it's not out. And like saying, this is this is erasure and this is awful for like representing something that people go through and that isn't discussed seems like a pretty bad um seems like not the great kind of knee-jerk reaction to have but that's also like the um sort of the like sense of betrayal that oh what if they turn out not to be this thing like i kind of i don't know if i'd say i've internalized that idea but like sometimes i worry when I'm going through my, my bouts of, oh no, what what if I'm not completely ace? Or what if I'm not completely arrow? Or like, what if I do change the way I identify in, in the future? Would that be then like my relatives who don't know anyone else who's ace? Would they view that as, would they start viewing it as just a phase when other people go through that? Or like, would I would I be betraying people? And it's, it's not a healthy way to think about things, but it's there. No, you know? it's really not. And yeah, it's definitely there. Like, I get that with my things as well, especially because I am flux. I mean, like, I say I'm flux. I've been ace, like, for the last six months. So, and I don't know if it's going to remain that way or if it's going to change again. Like, I literally don't know. But, like, whenever I'm not kind of in an ace phase, like, I never go full LO, which seems 
it's a weird way to put it. But when it becomes less, then I'm like, does this mean I'm not actually asexual? Like, have I just been lying to myself? Like, am I just being dramatic about things? Like, I don't know. And it's hard because I don't want to, I never really want to intrude on ace spaces because a spaces um because of that because i'm always worried that i'm giving off a bad impression or stuff like that and i can um going back to that question we got like when they said that with their boyfriend they do some stuff but they don't crave it it's nice but they can live without it that is 100 how i feel like i don't getting personal for a moment here um it sometimes it just happens and i'm like whatever i don't really care but i could 100 absolutely live without it if i had a relationship that had no sex ever i would be totally okay with that and probably quite happy with that but that does remind me that there was a there was a reddit thread i read a while back which totally like made me really upset because it was a guy had posted about his wife who he hadn't had sex with for seven years they never had had sex but they um had been married for seven years and it was this whole thing it was a whole thing she may have been cheating on him with someone else like who knows? But in the comments, um, a lot of people said that you've been married for seven years and you haven't had sex. Like, that is not a healthy relationship. That's not a real relationship. She doesn't love you. That kind of stuff. And I was reading through that. And I was just, he was really understanding of the fact that she didn't like it. Like, she was quite clearly asexual. Um, and he was chill with that. He was like, I still love her. Like, everything's fine. But everybody else in the comments saw that as a really bad thing, an awful thing, and an unrealistic thing. And, like, I was reading through that. And I was just, the, the perception that sex is necessary for a healthy relationship for some people it is like absolutely but if you have two people who love each other and they and one person doesn't want to do it and the other person is okay with that then that doesn't make them unhealthy and it's not abnormal because of that like two adults can figure this stuff out themselves and it's really distressing to people who are made uncomfortable by sex to read comments by people saying that they're broken and unhealthy and whatever and I don't remember where I was going with this, but that made me really mad. Yeah, it's like, no, the unhealthy relationship would be if one of them forced, like, if they were, one of them forced themselves to have sex, even though they found it, you know, incredibly distressing. Yeah, or if, like, one of them didn't and the other person was okay with that, or they said they were okay with that and then ended up resenting them for it, that's unhealthy. If both people are on the same page and are honest about it and doing what like still makes them happy then that's fine and it's nobody else's business what they do in the bedroom in that case like it's never anybody's business what someone else does in the bedroom unless they're polyamorous and bringing them into it like it's it's just these judgments are stupid and when it comes to sex relationships or like sexuality and relationships like looking at people from the outside and being like this is what they are and this is wrong or something like looking at two women in a relationship together and being like they're obviously lesbians and then they break up and one of them starts dating a dude and they're like oh obviously she was a straight person all along like you can't look at a relationship and hear about it from the outside and then decide you know what's best and when it comes to people with differing sexualities that can be really damaging to put those judgments out there and to say them out loud when you don't know better because you could be giving them negative perceptions that they already deal with or making them feel bad about themselves or erasing their sexuality and just totally making things worse for people. Yeah, especially with like lesser known and lesser discussed sexualities like bisexuality and asexuality and like the related things. Then there's again, there's the pressure to like if you start questioning your identity, then there's a, a kind of a, a pressure to force yourself to conform into that identity so that you're not proving the jerks who doubt that identity right. 
Yeah, and like real it's... talk for a second, like personal, going personal again. Um, when I was in high school, not high school, when I was in university, my second year, I tried somewhat to force myself out of being asexual because all of my friends were like relationships, boys, blah blah blah, and I was like, okay, whatever. I want to be like them. They seem like they're having fun. And I ended up putting myself in somewhat traumatic situations that took me quite a while to recover from because of that. That's just something that happens to some people because they feel like their sexuality is wrong and they feel like whatever they are is broken. And, like, I've done that. I understand how that is. And that does happen to other people too. And this just comes from the way that our friends and family interact with us because of our sexualities. Yeah, there's, like, an implication that we'll somehow be happier if we're different than who we are, even though the reason we're unhappy that's connected to that is just that people treat us badly because of that and put expectations on us that just don't make sense and that we're constantly told that we can't be happy that way. You're going to feel like you can't be happy if people keep telling you that it's impossible for you to be happy that way, There's that, that there's only one way to be happy. And that's like an anonymous listener ex's message. When they told their dad, he described it as a problem similar to his sex addic- addiction. And it's like, who is it harming? How is it? It's not problem? harm. It's not. But people view it as one. Someone who I told about my sexuality early on when I would figured it out said how how can you fix this yikes and like along with the um don't tell this to anyone else because like or don't tell this to anyone you're dating because then like then you may never be able to get married or be happy because <laughs> just like but that's like i love that don't tell anyone you're dating you're asexual like what what are you supposed to do then or like pretend that you aren't basically like that, that's so harmful it's harmful to everyone involved yeah cause like because like, you're lying you're literally lying to the person you're dating you're, and you're lying to them and you're forcing yourself into uncomfortable situations and you basically have to build a whole persona around this lie too i guess you'd have to learn how to pretend to be attractive that sounds like, so exhausting it, yeah it's like yeah how even i don't <laughs> it's like, how does that even work yeah. It's like people people on Twitter keep like tweeting about Krennic and I'm just like, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get Krennic either. But I haven't, I, to be fair, I haven't read the book, but also I just look at him and I'm like, eh, whatever. I don't, I don't understand. It's, you know, he's an older guy who pulls off a cape. Okay. Yeah. That's cool, I guess. <laughs> First off, he's like way older than me. Second off, it's just a dude in a picture you guys anyways isn't he an australian like his actor <laughs> i mean not actual critic <laughs> oh saf and her vendetta uh, <laughs> about those dang australians dear listeners from australia <laughs> saf does not actually hate all australians hashtag not all australians <laughs> unlike boffins she does hate all boffins um, <laughs> Gavin, Gavin would be so disappointed in you, Seth. Oh no, I like a seer. She's lovely. Um, okay, I'm really, but be- I'm really behind in Rogue Quadrant. I'm sorry. Terrible. You should, you should catch up. It's more of a trend sorry. than usual. So, listeners, Rogue Quadrant, if you don't know, is a uh, one of the thousands of podcasts that Saf is on, in which they're reading through the um, Star Wars X-wing books. Yeah. So that's right. Yeah. So that's that's what we suddenly started talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bothans are the um, uh, alien species that got the um, second Death Star plans. You know, the many Bothans died. Yeah, not the first one, uh, though, so they're not in Rogue One. Yes, they're not Jin. Jin is not a Bothan. <laughs> FYI. God. 
which is really good news for Saf because she hates Bothams. They are the worst. Um. <laughs> anyway, back on topic. Yes, on topic. That's that's always good. I wonder if Bothans struggle with their sexuality. I mean, who? They're probably too busy being awful to deal with that. Ooh. I'm sorry. I'm so mean to them. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's not a problem. Treating it, treating asexuality like it is a problem and aromanticism and all of the things on the different spectrums. It is a problem. Creates a problem, basically. Like, yep. queer people deal with so much more, depre- are, are so much more likely to have depression and things as it is. Thinking that you have a problem does not help your mental state. And like eternally struggling with like expectations that are literally impossible for you to fulfill and being told that there is no way you can possibly be happy um, with the way you are while everyone else can be. It's, it's just, it's not healthy. Yeah. To think of things that way. Yeah. To get that idea that like you can't ever be happy or can't ever have a happy relationship or whatever because of what you are is just, it's really damaging and it can make you grow up just really unhappy with things like and just asking what's the point even just because you don't like sex or something and people think that your entire life is going to be awful because of that. But the problem is like it sounds ridiculous. It's stupid. But the problem is you do start to believe it and you start to feel it yourself. And like I am someone who really wa- like I really want to get married one day. I just like the idea of it. And I like the idea of having that person. Um And also, I just want a really big dress. That's not the main reason, though, but I do want the big dress. Um, But for ages, I've always, like, I'm better at it now, but every now and then I get into the worry. I'm like, would I ever actually get married? Like, I'm aromantic and asexual to a point. And would, like, who would ever want to marry me? Will I ever have a relationship that will lead to that? And it's hard to believe that I will sometimes, just because of what I've been told and what media tells me and what my friends, not my friends now, but what friends in the past have told me. It's just, even though I'm, like, I'm super confident about myself and I super believe in who I am, but... I still get like iffy about that. And that's me being super confident about that. Like people are people who are just discovering the sexuality or kind of getting into that to begin with, just they, they won't have that confidence in themselves and it will hurt them so much more to think those things and to think that they can never be loved or accepted by people they care about just because they experience these feelings differently or don't experience them like, it's just one aspect of life. Not everything is like that. Not everyone likes chocolate. It's just how it is. Their life isn't marred forever because of that, despite what pump some people think. And whatever. It makes me mad. This does not mean, however, that my brother's dislike of chocolate ice cream is excusable in any way. <laughs> I mean, some people don't like white chocolate, and I think that's wrong. But I'll accept them. They, they can still lead a very happy life. I just like giving my my brothers a hard time for not liking chocolate ice cream. <laughs> I mean, Neither my older brother nor my younger. I don't get it. Actually, to be fair, I'm not really a big fan of ice cream in general. So, um, mostly because yeah. I'm lactose intolerant. So don't judge me. No, like they both like ice cream, but my brother doesn't care for my older brother doesn't care for chocolate ice cream. Then my younger brother, who he's 11 years younger than me, so like we weren't raised together or anything. He also doesn't like chocolate ice cream. And my dad and my sister and me, we all love chocolate ice cream. So none of us can figure it out. But anyways. It's just some weird genetic thing that you all managed to avoid. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly it's dad's fault. (laughs) So back to 
the first part of this message we were talking about, which was, in fact, the last part of this message. You know, dealing with jokes from friends who hadn't heard about asexuality, or who, sorry, who have heard about asexuality but don't know that you are asexual, that can't ever be fun. Like, dealing with people mocking your identity, like, them not knowing how that you identify as that's not an excuse ever to make that okay. But that's not going to be easy to deal with ever. Yeah, like their friends, yeah, making the jokes bisexuals, not knowing that they're asexuals, like... Not yeah, not knowing isn't an excuse. Like you should never be making these jokes that could be harmful to someone, assuming that everyone in your group isn't that like isn't identifying with that. Like you you no matter how well you know someone, you can't ever know everything about them and you don't ever know what they might identify as. Like when people <laughs> like sliding away a bit from asexuality, but when people get called out and using really gendered language with their friends, um, like calling everyone guys or dude or whatever and they're like oh but i know like i know all of my friends that i'm in and it's just like you can't actually know that like there's there's no way to actually know that if they haven't told you maybe they are coming to terms with it maybe they haven't figured it out themselves or they don't want to talk to people about it maybe they don't trust you enough because you're the kind of person to call everyone dude and not think about it when you're asked about it and it's just I get, like, when you don't get taught about these things, it's a case of education and awareness as well. If you're not taught about these things, if you don't know asexuality is a real thing that people struggle with, you will make those jokes because you think it's funny because you're like, haha, it's the same word. With And if there's nobody to keep, educate it. People are clearly just using it to be special snowflakes. Yeah, and... The worst term. Yeah, it's such a bad term. And, like, it's the same, like, with, with using gendered terms, you grow up a lot like i i still struggle p- calling people like a group people guys sometimes because it's just something i grew up because that's just how we get taught to speak a lot of the time and if you don't get told otherwise you don't get taught otherwise then you will make these mistakes and you might accidentally hurt someone but that's why like awareness is so important and that's why talking about these things is so important so people learn not to do this stuff and they can be safer places for their friends they can be a safe person for their friends because they they have that knowledge and it's also important that, like, if you ever do get called out on saying something, like, that hurts someone else, that you, you accept that and you change how you talk. Like, I still get that all the time. I will say something and someone will be like, you know, this isn't actually a good thing to say. Like, these are the reasons why. And I'll be like, oh, my God, I did not know that. Thank you for telling me. Like, and I'll, I'll change how I talk to match that. And it's not hard to do. Um, and it's important to take those lessons on. And be, when people um, – when people – fight back like when they get asked like why did you say this like do you know that this means this and they're like whatever i can talk however i want that makes it unsafe for people to talk about their issues as well um like if you have a friend that's just like um (laughs) if you have a friend that's just like could you possibly not use gendered language with our group like i like for certain reasons and you're like whatever i'm just gonna still use it it's gender like saying dude is gender neutral for me it's not a gender neutral word no matter how much you think it is but if you do that then it makes them harder to ask that to someone else and to be open about what they like how they identify to someone else and so i get the first time these jokes are made i'm like okay whatever but just people need to try and have awareness of what they're saying especially when it comes to a sexuality or, or a gender identity or anything else that could be how someone identifies, they need to step back and not say these things because it's not cool and it's not funny. Comedy that makes fun of, actually makes fun of somebody who is a minority or or just something differing from the accepted norm 
is not good comedy. It's lazy comedy and it's bad. And also, I will not laugh at it if you even make a joke like that at me. I will stare you down. And to anyone who gets these jokes, like who has these jokes made at them or around them and they don't know how to speak out about them, like you don't, it shouldn't be your job to. And also like, I am here for you. <laughs> I went on a big run, but I am here for anyone that deals with these issues and just know that this is not how everyone thinks because so many of us love our friends of different sexualities and identities and sometimes other people are just really awful. Yeah, and it's also like, so it doesn't just create a unsafe space for people, it's also reinforcing kind of the status quo opinions about that sort of thing and reinforcing in your and other people's minds that that's an okay way to think about things. And um, I read something recently about how jokes that we you know we think jokes are harmless jokes are used to delineate groups so like racist jokes and stuff kind of those jokes people call harmless they're what you're doing is you're drawing the boundaries for you know your group who finds this funny and um kind of showing that you have similar values and views on a thing you know even if you're just thinking oh i'm just telling a silly joke it's never just that yeah, you're telling other people in your group that this that that is acceptable. Um, and, and again, you're like you're reinforcing certain views. It's like I had a um, oh my god, one of my coworkers I heard use the word retarded in a derogatory way when talking about how things were sorted. Um, and I basically I just turned to him and I was just like, hey, could you just not use that word like that? That would I I would appreciate it. Just like real quick like that. And then he was just like, well, what? what? Now, that's, that's interesting you would ask that. Why? Ugh. I mean, words just mean what we, you know, what we want them to mean. So, like, oh, I don't see how it's derogatory. Is, is someone here, you know, is, could someone here be described as that word? Or And this, by the way, this was a, um, this particular co-worker was not 100% default dude. This was a, um, a black man. So, re- remember, just because you aren't 100% default dude doesn't mean you can't you know i mean yeah i'm like i'm a queer gal and i can say bad things i get called out on things still and like anyone yeah it's not it doesn't make you impervious to adapting these kind of harmful views and behaviors yeah that could even like backfire on yourself kind of thing but this was especially awkward because there was also a customer standing right there. Oh. But and he's just like talking about this. And he's just like, because language, words just mean whatever we want them to mean. And I'm just sitting there thinking, yeah, but like we're still able to communicate somehow because there's an agreement on what words mean. Don't just arbitrarily choose. And even if you're not aware of it, you're reinforcing your own views of that word. And if you use that word derogatorily, you are building a connection between things that are can be described by that word and negative things yeah and it's like, like everyone everyone does so, ascribe meaning to words but it's a collective meaning just because you mean one thing with it. like i could like and it's like and he was saying that he would stop if someone there was you know if there was someone there who could be described with that word and they were offended but it's like even if you're not actively mocking someone to your face to their face it doesn't mean you should do it yeah like i mean even, i've, even I've had that word used not... on me and so like but i don't want to like say that to people either i call people out, out on that word it's just an instant thing as soon as i say that word i turn to them I'm like don't use that word like that like it's just it's just a kick and reaction and 
sometimes they are like, oh, I'm sorry, like I didn't know, and I have to like, and it's fine. Other people, it's more of a fight, and they're like, I don't understand why this word is bad, and blah blah blah. And like, I don't. People don't want to be like, I could be identified as that, because then you're changing someone's perception of you in a way that's negative, because that word has really negative connotations. And it's just like, why, why, why? And it, sh- and it shouldn't matter. Like, yeah, it's really obviously not. Like, there's other words you can use, you guys. You don't need to use one that up applies to a group of people who, you know, go through shit all the time for who they are and like are, are already treated so horribly. Yep. Yeah, words. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, and then another reaction you sometimes get from people is people who are are like, oh my gosh, I you know I know this is a pro-, like they get offended that you pointed out that they said something offensive. It's like no, I you know I put up with all, a lot of crap. I've gone through a lot of crap today. I know this is terrible. I try to change. It doesn't help when you like point out. It's just it's, yeah, I have friends who get that like, had a, with a coworker who's like that, and it's like. Okay, you're actively hurting people by doing this. Like, I don't. It's I don't see how it's it's rude to point this out, and yet you're making me feel like I did something wrong for just saying, "Hey, could you not use that word, please?" Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I I have a friend um who who's talked a bit about it um to me, and they they're non-binary, so they go by they use the they pronoun, and they have a friend that misgenders them quite often and whenever they ask them to be like oh hey by the way like this is my gender kind of thing and eventually got to the point where they'll kind of snap at them be like hey this is my gender because like it's been enough times i've known this friend for ages and that friend then went on to twitter and was like oh it doesn't help if you yell at someone like it takes us time and stuff like that and and made them feel guilty about asking to be the correct gender and it's just i get that it can be hard to to change your perception of someone, but also like the words you use affect people so much. It's why people change their names. Like I like names are important too. Like anything that could describe someone, anything that involves their identity can affect them a lot. And even if words don't mean much to you as a person, like a certain word doesn't mean anything to you, it could mean a lot to other people. And like I said before, it's a group that ascribes a meaning to a word, not a single person. Like we have a group, we as a group, despite some people, have decided that literally can mean metaphorically. Like, that's just how language works. And as a group, we have made certain words negative, despite what other people want. And because of that, we have to deal with the fact that those words are negative and that we can't use them anymore. And when it comes to it's like, gender, like, you have to respect that that is the gender. And to calling them something else, like, it'd be like someone coming along to me like, hey, hey, man, using he pronouns on someone who's a woman. And then you'd be like, sorry, no, I'm a woman. They're like, oh, okay and then keep using the wrong pronouns. Like, just because it's not a gender you're used to doesn't mean that it's not a valid one, not one that you should respect. Yeah, it's, like, just because something doesn't directly affect you and just because you don't know if anyone around you is directly affected by it doesn't mean you shouldn't, like, try to be respectful and try to not reinforce horrible views and ways of thinking because, um... Like, even just, like, innocent little jokes or comments like that, that's, you know, really reinforces this idea. Like, again, like, the the jokes they were making, it wasn't, like, using the word as a negative thing. It was, like, oh, so people who reproduce with themselves. It's that's building up this idea that it's somehow, you know, not a thing people struggle with yeah, and not a that thing. That is some dumb alien people, thing. But not a thing that people identify as. Like, that it's somehow mock-worthy, and that those people are somehow mock-worthy, and that's just not okay. 
and yeah, and then people get like really weirdly defensive if you point out that something's not okay like that, but that they are reinforcing harmful views. And all that does is, you know, if you weren't alienating people before and making them, you know, feel unsafe because they're part of that group, then you sure as heck are now, even if they aren't part of that group, then they know that they can't ever point out something that could be corrected. It's not like it's a, a tiny little thing. It's not like they're, you know, criticizing you for using the wrong fork or something. I have it's, been criticized for that. Let me tell you, there's a weird thing to be criticized for. Um, but yeah, you're totally yeah, right. But it's, that's not what this is. It's not like a, a tiny etiquette thing that doesn't actually affect anyone. This is something that affects people. It affects you, who's using these words and internalizing these ideas. Um, it's affecting the people around you who hear you. And it's affecting the people who, like, maybe they don't hear you. Maybe they don't know you. But you're still reinforcing a status quo that affects them negatively. Yeah, definitely. And I think sometimes that can be hard to understand, but it's absolutely a thing. And everyone should strive to be a good person and to respect other people. And it makes me sad when people fight back so hard when they've gotten a critique of some kind relating to that stuff. Like being criticized is not easy. Rejection in any form or like failure in any form. It's not easy for us to deal with as people. That's just something we struggle against. But it's still something we should definitely strive to be better at because we need to be to make this a better world and to be better for the people who aren't part of the status quo. We need to be better people as a whole. Yes. Yeah. And like every time this kind of thing comes up, I just have like flashbacks to middle school when kids would say, you know, that's kosher to mean something's good and that's Jewish to mean something bad. What? Yeah, it was really bizarre. And so, like, at some point, I finally, like, turned to one of my classmates who was constantly saying, that's so Jewish. And I was just like, why do you keep saying that? Why are you using that like it's a, it's a bad thing? And his response was, oh, I don't know any Jews. So, and I'm just like... Oh, my God. And then I told him that I'm a Jew. And he shut up and stopped doing it. But... <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't, shouldn't have to matter. know someone. It's like... Yeah. It's like you don't have to know someone who's, you know who's Jewish or Roma or queer or any of those things to not march around and spout Nazi slogans. Yeah. Honestly, like to go to an extreme example, you don't have to know someone who's, you know, you just, you don't have to know someone to not demean their existence. Yeah. And reinforce the idea that it's okay to demean their existence and reinforce the idea that they're somehow less than you. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember, like, in a similar kind of vein, I remember when I was a kid, like, gay was a word for bad. Like, something mm. would be stupid or something, you'd be like, that's gay. Like, I never used that, but a lot of other people did, and I was always like, that's not what that word means, though. That's What is this weird yeah, like, connotation like... that we've put onto this word? Like, I was, like, eight, seven or eight, and I was still just like, this is wrong. <laughs> like, this is not okay. right. So I had the co-worker who got, like, defensive and disguised it as you know, attempting to be intellectual um, when I pointed out his inappropriate use of the word retarded. And then I have a coworker who gets defensive when you point out that she would say that or, or not just defense who would get like really upsetedly defensive while acknowledging that it's still not a good thing to do. And she too would use the word gay inappropriately like that. And then you could point it out and she would, you know, try to do better, but also often would just not react well. Yeah. Um, and this is this year, by the way. Oh, I didn't even so, realize people still used it in their way in this day and age. People apparently do. 
fun times. Ugh. I had to tell so, off um, some kids. Like, I have family friends who are still in high school now. Um, and I saw them commenting on a Facebook post that was using, like, a slur for gay people. And I just had to go in there and be like, hey, what are you doing? This is bad. Like, why are you doing one, this? <laughs> one, are you British? Two, are you referring to cigarettes? If both one and two do not apply to you, then be quiet. Yeah. I was just like, um, okay, like, why are you doing this? And it's just, it's just bizarre to me. Those are still things that people do now because I thought we were over that, but apparently not. They think it doesn't apply to them. Yeah, they do. Like, somehow that it, like, doesn't affect anyone, and it really, really does. Again, as, as this message that we received from Anonymous Listener X shows, these people had no idea that their friend standing in that same room with them was asexual and they're just you know you know they're just i'm sure thinking that they're joking around whatever but they really hurt this person and made them feel uncomfortable and not like you know i'm sure i i I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable telling them that i'm asexual after something like that yeah like if someone makes a (laughs) joke like that you're not gonna be like oh by the way i'm asexual because you'd be like what if they make a joke about me or what if they start treating me like i'm you know, a weirdo. What if they constantly mock me about it? What if they like just don't believe me? You know, there's all kinds of different stuff. And as well, when it comes to asexuality, like sexual harassment can come from that as well because people don't believe you, or they're trying to prove you wrong, or they're just trying to mess with you because you they they think you're a prude. And sexual harassment can definitely stem from that. Like I've had that issue. I've been harassed sexually because people have assumed certain things about me because I'm asexual and. That's another reason why it can be scary to tell people that you are because you may have had those experiences and you're like, I don't trust you not to do something that will hurt me. And like, that sounds stupid. Like people will be like, oh, if you're asexual, why would you deal with sexual abuse? Like it's something that definitely happens. And I've read stories from other people who've talked about it, have been open about it, that this comes from them admitting it to people. And it's, it's not safe for us all the time. It's not safe for anybody of any differing sexuality or identity to talk about it with a lot of people because nobody takes it seriously or they think that that gives them an excuse to mess with them or they just view them as lesser in some way. And even like making a stupid joke like that, even though it's totally stupid and doesn't have any real negative connotations, like I guess like real, whatever, like you're not saying. Well, there is the less than human connotation. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, (laughs) And there's that. Even if you think it's just a stupid joke, like you say that, and instantly you're marking yourself as somebody who might act like that towards someone. Whether or not you intend it, you just think you're being a funny person. No, you're marking yourself as someone dangerous. And again, you're also marking yourself as a comrade to people who do act like that. Yeah. yeah like, even if you would never do that to someone, the moment you make a joke like that, if you make like a rape joke or something, the moment you make that joke, there's someone else in your group who might hear that and it might be an endorsement of how they think and how they act. And you don't know that. You might be the nicest person in the world who just made a stupid joke without realizing what's bad about it. But you don't know what you're encouraging someone else to think. Whatever you say, no matter what you say, it's never in a vacuum. Nothing is ever in a vacuum in this world. And things you say and do have influence on other people, whether or not it's negative or positive. And it's always a good thing to try and make it positive. And when it comes to our anonymous listener X, I am so sorry that you've had these negative these negative interactions with friends because I, I have been in a similar place and I understand that. And when it comes to friends like that, if you're like in high school or if it's a job situation, you can't just find a new group while you're there because those are the people you're with. And thank you so much for 
telling us about these things and talking to us about this because it's also like reassuring to hear other people who have said like who say similar things and be like, yes, I'm I'm not I'm not weird and alone in my own sexuality. But yeah, it's just jokes about sexualities and identities are just the worst and I hate them so much unless they're like actually funny. There are actually funny ones, but usually they are told by someone of their identity and they are told to other people within that group who are also that identity. Like me and my friends may joke about like like really sadistic sad jokes about like bisexuals being ignored all the time because it happens to us all the time. And they're funny to us because they're identifiable. But if like a not if a straight person said that to me, I'd be like, get the hell out of my house. This is the worst. Um, so they can be funny, yeah, like, but only in certain situations and usually not, if, usually not good to touch if you're not someone of that gender or sexuality. Yeah. Or like, um, I don't know, I, I do that similarly with, um, asexuality often with bi friends because I don't actually have a lot of asexual friends other than those who I know through the internet. Like I don't know very many in person who have, you know, at least talked about it with me, but yeah, we make jokes about like. I think I've I've seen it described as like surrealist ju- humor to help deal with the fact that people think we don't exist. So like, oh, if we don't exist, then look at this power. Like we have the power of not existing and still doing things. And yeah, like if I'm invisible, then I could do so much stuff. I could rob a bank, if only. Oh, and I have you know clearly I have magical powers being asexual and thus not existing and can do all these different things and like you know just with other other friends who don't fit into the the default setting ideal like Like i always we can make these jokes but if someone like if someone who i'm not comfortable with just started talking about how asexuals are robots or something that's that wouldn't have the same humorous obviously joking tone to me because that is a stereotype that people have about asexuals along with that like we're somehow more animalistic which doesn't make any sense to me but whatever and like like i mean i make a joke about me being a robot that's because i am a heartless person not because of my asexuality if somebody else who isn't asexual makes a joke about me being a robot i'm like buddy back off (laughs) like it's not funny if you're saying that to me because i don't know how much you believe that yeah same with me and my robot jokes or ghost jokes just like don't just because i'm comfortable making that kind of joke about myself doesn't mean you guys should uh feel that way especially if i don't actually know you that well basically humor is a delicate thing and if you want to actually be funny be considerate of the context and of just people in general really yes which is also you know general rules for writing and performing in front of audiences oh yeah you know just pay attention these kinds of things and try to understand what's going on with all that and this also like is making me think of there's a perception that some people have that like asexuals and especially um, heteroromantic asexuals or aromantic asexuals don't deal with any kind of discrimination or marginalization or at least nothing worth commenting on because there's no like, re- there's no frowned upon relationship going on. And like, oh, if you're not doing something, how can people possibly? discriminate you against you for that which is you know something i've actually seen someone say it's and it's like the thing that alienates you from like hearing that kind of thing kind of alienates you from everybody because it's like i've i think i might have talked about this before it's like this idea that you're like you're not straight enough for the straight people and you're not queer enough for the queer people yeah um 
it's kind of in a similar place to like where bisexuals end up as well. Yeah, like, I kind of noticed that. Um, like the comments that ace people who aren't like gay or lesbian as well, they're always like, um, yeah, it, it ends up kind of being similar to bisexual bisexual erasure. And generally, the people like, who believe that are also people who hate bisexuals, so they kind of tend to go hand in hand a little bit. Um, well, I I don't know. I've seen I've also seen this sort of um sentiment from people who have previously identified as uh bi it's seems like it you know might be similar to what uh bi people experience with that sort of weird alienation you know having talked to some bi friends about the weird similarity of this and you know thus the both groups having jokes about not existing and superpowers and things like that but it's also an incorrect presumption that you can't that you clearly you can't be discriminated against because you don't have a relationship for people to frown upon or oh you're not doing anything how could people like if you're going to use logic on it then well why on earth would people treat you poorly for having a relationship that doesn't affect them in any way like logic's not a factor there people still you know people still say they'd be really uncomfortable having an asexual roommate more so than having a gay roommate people still like you know sexually harass people people still yeah like the harassment i got was like my bisexuality had nothing to do with that it was 100 percent because of identifying as ace and even if i had been straight which i am 100 percent not like i feel like i still would have gotten that same harassment and just like <laughs> there's not the, the idea of an oppression olympics is just kind of like it, it disregards that a lot of people are not not treated well in our society because they differ from everything and maybe like other people like have more more issues and that's definitely true like like it's definitely a true thing but that doesn't mean that other identities are less valid as as identities in general or that they need support from from friends or other people like that they don't want a community um it's just the whole thing is just it's it's weird, and I don't understand why everyone doesn't want to just kind of help each other. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, I haven't ever gone to um, LGBTQIA+, to use the full acronym, events or gatherings or anything like that. Even after I figured out, like, oh, I'm A, so I'm probably Arrow. Just because I feel like, I, I've never really felt like I would belong. Like, maybe now I would feel more comfortable because I do now have more of a support system, but I've never felt like it's the sort of thing that I would belong at. But like, yeah, no, it's logic doesn't determine who's going to need support. Yeah. In, or, you know, it's not logic that determines how people get discriminated against. Cause again, it doesn't actually make sense for people to be treated awfully for being gay either. And yet here we are in this horrible world. So just using that kind of anecdote to be like, to dismiss people asking for support doesn't make sense. And like, it's yes, it's absolutely horrible that people go through horrible things. And it's also kind of crappy and alienating when, um, uh, asexual people who are not aromantic are erased. That's pretty awful. And it's something that I've been seeing in media that like in some of the few pieces of media that do include asexual characters, they'll, you know, just use the word asexual and then just have everyone 
in the piece assume that, oh, of course, asexual and aromantic. And that's terrible. But taking it out on, I feel I feel like that might be where a lot of the um, anger came from for the whole they can't be discriminated against thing. But like, they actually can. And it kind of sucks. And asexuals are often oppressed less because we're just not thought about at all. But like, we're still another. And like, just dismissing that isn't dismissing people's requests for support when they are not within the default, even if they aren't actively discriminated against, just isn't okay. Because even if you're not being actively discriminated against, you can still be made to feel unwanted, unloved, broken, like you'll never be happy. You could still really need support. Yeah, like my own asexuality has made me honestly have some real bad self-hatred periods and just it it's it's hard. It is hard. And I do understand like people who are lesbian and gay, especially older, who have been through like some of the awful things that like lesbian and gay people have gone through in the past. And I understand that it's that for them it's a space that they want to keep for themselves because it's where they feel safe. But and on the flip side, there are also some asexual people who have gotten really vitriolic towards anybody who is like who is like kind of somewhat who who are really vitriolic towards lesbian and gay history, which is not good either. Like as an asexual person, we should never be dismissive of what other people in the LGBTQIA community have gone through. Like never good. Don't ever do that. Um, and so there are these like it, it's kind of especially on Tumblr, it's become really polarized. There are the two sides, and there's no in between. There's no ability to communicate between that. Don't ever go to Tumblr to find support for things because tumblr is an awful place look within your own groups of friends um and like asexual people are not actively oppressed they're not killed for their sexuality it's not it's not a massive thing in that regard but there is definitely like depression and anxiety that go along with it oh the depression and anxiety yeah the the depression and anxiety (laughs) from that particular thing like i have that i have that real bad i still have trauma from sexual harassment because of that stuff and it's just, if you have an asexual friend, like, don't dismiss their sexuality and don't dismiss them as not being part of, I mean, the LGBTQIA is not a community. There's no real community there. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a big umbrella name and it's something you can identify as. There's not a community. There's communities within it. And, um, I don't know. It's just, you, if you're asexual, you're valid. And like, it, it's, it really sucks that we get alienated from things from both sides. And I get that in two parts because I am bisexual and ace and I get it two times sometimes. Like not, it's not like a double thing, but I get it at different times. And being alienated is no fun, especially from a community that you feel like should accept you or that you, you would like support from. And sometimes it's just going to happen, especially when it comes to some things that can hurt people so much. And, I don't know. I don't really know where I was going with this, but like, I, I honestly, you are valid, and we, me and Show, accept like everybody, and so you can always talk to us about it. Yes, and also if you want to talk and you yourself are not asexual, we can still. We're not going to say no away with the. Yeah, we're not dismissive, or we try not to be. We're also not perfect, but yeah, yeah, we're not just gonna send you away or dismiss you for. Oh, I'm sorry, you're not the particular member of a group that often needs support that I myself am trying to talk to you at this particular moment in time. Clearly, you are not worth my time. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm always here for anyone of, like, any orientation and whatever. And, um, yeah, yeah. This, I don't know where, where I was going with the entire thing I just did, but we're always here. Yes. Always. Yeah. Right here. 
yep. speaking to you through yep. your ears every moment. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Oh my God. Anyway. Should we talk about Pokemon? We should talk about Pokemon. <laughs> On a lighter note. <laughs> Pokemon. Because we all we all need a lighter note. Always. And Pokemon is somewhat refreshing because the games don't tend to have like huge romantic elements within them for the main character. Yeah, that can be really refreshing when you're um aromantic and like everything you're surrounded by always has romance and romance subplots and implied crushes and i saw a post recently on a website about lgbtqiaya that mentioned that it couldn't be or that said something along the lines of you can't have ya without like i can't remember if it was without romance or without like sexuality or something mm. and it's like <sighs> dang it like there's a lot of definitely <laughs> ya without romance like that is stupid yeah but there's like a lot of like I, I i read a lot of comics i really like comics i worked at a comic shop and only stopped working at the comic shop because i moved a few thousand miles and it would be really hard to commute there's a lot of really good graphic novels out there like all ages graphic novels or YA graphic novels that a lot of people find really relatable and absolutely love that I just have difficulty getting into or I read it and I'm just like well that was okay because there's so much focus on like developing crushes and dealing with jealousy and rom- romantic stuff and there's just so much focus on that as being a key important part of growing up into an adult and for many people it is I, I get that and also I often enjoy reading romantic subplots like I don't dislike that just because I'm probably arrow or at least on the arrow spectrum doesn't mean i don't enjoy reading that quite a lot of the time and read like shippy fan fiction and stuff but it can be really refreshing to find something aimed at kids that doesn't force crushes in there like not even just with ya but you even see that in just stuff about kids that's for kids there's these weirdly thrown in crushes but so pokemon how does this relate to pokemon Pokemon games don't have romantic subplots. Yeah, at least not for the main characters. Um, Though there is often subtext, and by often I mean in Sun and Moon and X and Y, and I may have made elaborate headcanons about these subtexts. See, Um, I totally got it in X and Y, but I am just not seeing it in Sun and Moon. Um, Oh my god, Lily. I just, I don't see it. She's just a dumbass i mean i love her but she's just a dumbass i mean to well, be fair, like, though, I really, it's really, I really there oh it's really there at first and then just kind of goes away a little bit and then like later on it's 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 back a lot so much but yeah no she's she's very much gay for the main character <laughs> unless you're playing a dude in which case i guess she's not gay for the main character but yeah but oh my gosh x and y oh my gosh oh my gosh it was really yeah i definitely saw it in that <laughs> game <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. I never but how really... is it, sweetie? I love how so much. Um, oh, so cute. His Raichu totally destroyed me, but I love him so much. Um, but yeah, I never really thought about, like, before we started recording this episode, I never really thought about the fact that, like, playing the Pokemon games when I was younger, because I grew up, I was, I was so obsessed with Pokemon growing up. Oh, my God. I could recite, like, the first, I could recite the first two generations alphabetically and also chronologically, like, number-wise. But could you do the... But could you do the Pokemon rap? Oh, yeah, of course. I also knew the Pokemon rap. Um, Seriously? Because, <laughs> yes. like, I was within that first generation of kids to be exposed to Pokemon, and Pokemon was completely and totally inescapable. No, you think it's inescapable now? You have no idea. Yeah. 
it what? was ridiculous. Um, I I never could. I never even tried to memorize the Pokemon rap. Like it was just hopeless. I listened to like, it was that album. Like I had that CD and I listened to it nonstop for like months. So I knew if you put it on now, I could still probably rap along with it, which is really embarrassing. But <laughs> I didn't know there was a CD, but I do have a little plastic Pokedex thing. Oh yeah, I I have that too. I love that. No, there was um the, the CD thing where if the you like Pokemon misspell the if if you misspell the name of the Pokemon, you cannot find it. Yeah, it's. It's so terrible, but I love it <laughs> so much. I don't know where mine is. I still have it around somewhere, I think. Probably with my okay I'm, boys. Um, I can see mine from where I'm sitting, honestly. <laughs> it's on my bookshelf. Yeah, no, there was there was a CD for the first Pokemon movie, and I love, I still have it. I loved it so much. The music in that movie was just like, it was so good. So 90s, but so good. Oh, and, the Mewtwo one? Oh, no, it was the second one. It was, never mind, it was the second one I lied. Uh, Pokemon 2000. Not the one where the world turns to ash. No, no, it's the one with the the birds, the big birds. Um, um, <laughs> like with the Lugia three big birds or yeah. the okay, yeah, okay, Johto, Johto, got yeah, it. Jota. Um, okay, I never saw that one. Oh my god, it's so um, <laughs> but no, Pokemon. Like, I never really thought about like the influence it would have had on me. But like, as a kid growing up and not being stuff, like when when all of my friends were getting into boys. And girls as well, because I had dude friends. And everyone was very straight, I guess. Like, some of them ended up not being straight later on. But they were very straight as kids. and Or at least pretended to be. Yeah, at least, like, they were socialized to be. And as that was all happening, I just had Pokemon. I just played Pokemon all the time, and I, I love Pokemon. And I never really thought about it, but I guess, yeah, that lack of romance in the games probably was partly what made me like them so much, is that it was very much based on friendship and very much based on having really cool pets and i've I've always loved having pets (laughs) um and like with those two things combined like when we played we played pretend in in school and we would play like lord of the rings or we would play pokemon and like yes there are strong romance like things in lord of the rings i guess because there's arwen and aragorn and arguably frodo and sam though when i was a kid that did never occur to me um and like we would play these two things and they never involved romance because they were just that's not what the things were about and i think as a kid that was really like refreshing to me is that we could play these games and while we were playing them like the idea of romance or sexuality and whatever were just they disappeared and so when i was playing pokemon like all these times it was i think maybe it was partly also an escape from that idea of growing up and having to deal with relationships and romance. Um, instead, I would just go fight some Pokemon. And it's not even like yeah. not dealing with relationships and romance. It's just a kid gets to go on a journey by himself or with with some friends. And I'm saying himself because, of course, I was first exposed to the cartoon. Yeah. And also because the first generation of games, they didn't actually introduce the option to playing as a girl until Crystal, which was a great game. And I miss... Chris, the female avatar, because she was pretty great. <laughs> um, they should have brought her back for the remake. Oh my gosh. Like it was, you can just go off by yourself or with some friends and go on these incredible adventures and like adult things like work and, you know, we're constantly worrying about safety and constantly worrying about insurance and student loans. And like, I know I wasn't thinking about that as a kid, but like, <laughs> not worrying about like, all the stuff adults have to worry about and yeah romance does fall into that because it seriously is just like go hang out with your friends in the woods and play with play with fun animals that was almost like like my dream as a kid and you can like go camping and go on this great journey and you're just expected to when you're 11 and you run into other kids 
And some of them might be jerks, but you can like beat them at Pokemon and then move on with your life. Yeah, you can beat them up with your Pokemon. And like, you know, in the show, um, Rock gets crushes all the time, but it's not like, you know, it's not like something that's constantly forced on Ash or Misty, these crushes. Um, or romantic interests or anything. And if they ever get any, it's like super fleeting. And then they just move on with their lives because they have more important things to deal with. And they are also children. (laughs) And they are also children. But, you know, kids can get crushes. Yeah. It's like kids can, you know, that's kids can figure out their sexualities very early. So, but like, yep, I definitely definitely did that. But like kids movies in the 90s, which I know much about because I was a kid in the 90s, (laughs) um, they would have love interests in there like casper the friendly ghost oh guess what casper's got a love interest the rugrats movie oh guess what they totally make alfalfa and that one girl have like a thing and it's kind of weird but they just you know keep forcing that stuff into kids media just i don't know it's always it's always been very eye rolly for me even while you know i'm totally fine with romantic subplots and other stuff like um like i've always loved final fantasy 7 by always i mean since i was introduced to it obviously <laughs> i was not born loving final fantasy 7 and clutching the game to my chest but like there's some very heavy romantic subplots in there and i i don't know i guess i don't know if i'd go quite as extreme as shipped but sort of with like cloud and tifa so like i'm fine with romance and video games but like I very much roll my eyes a lot at like Mario's crushes on Peach always coming up Um, because it's like that's another franchise that's very popular with kids and that I grew up with Mario. And like, I don't know if I really thought about it much, but like, so Mario's the hero and he's rescuing Peach, the princess who's constantly being kidnapped by Bowser, who really needs to get another hobby. Maybe Um, she just wants to be rescued by Bowser. I mean, captured by Bowser. No, a lot of the time she really obviously doesn't. (laughs) Either way, Bowser needs to get a new hobby. Maybe he should take up knitting. I don't know. But, like, recently my sister-in-law loaned me a copy of uh, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. And, like, near the beginning, Mario, like, really seriously blushes about Peach. And, like, Luigi does too. But it's, like, just so over. I don't think I really noticed it until then. Like, how incredibly overt it could get in Mario games. But it's, like, this is the silly, cartoony, surrealist world it just feels a little bit, maybe it's just because it's me. It just felt a little weirdly forced. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. But Pokemon's great, and it does not have a lot of romantic subtext forced in there. And even with, like, X and Y, aren't they teenagers in X and Y? Uh, I thought they were, like, the same age as usual, but I actually have no clue. I know in, um, in Black and White or Black and White 2, they're teenagers. I thought in X and Y they were also teenagers, but I could, my brain could be making that up. I totally, so. I don't remember most of that game, so I could not tell you. Like, I was talking on Western Reaches, which is another podcast I do, about Pokemon, and somebody mentioned something that happens in X and Y, and I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I know I'll finish that game, but I don't know. I don't know. You mean you never played through the um, mystery subquest thing at the end? No, I totally forgot that. I didn't even know that was a thing. And Detective I, thing? I honestly just don't care about X and Y enough to do that. Um, especially now that I have Sun. I'm just like, why would I go back? Sun is so much better. <laughs> oh, See, but trading is so much easier in X and Y. At least oh, trading with friends. So much easier. Like, me and Jay were, were trading on um, Sun and Moon the other day. And it was just like, why can't we just, like, instantly pull up our friend lists? Why? Why? 
why do we have to go through this weird dance thing where we're like looking for the name of our friend on this list so that we could put them on the VIP list? Some of the stuff I like in Festival Plaza, like um, with the fashion items, there are exclusives for Sun and for Moon and you can get them through Festival Plaza. How do you do that? Um, after uh, you get Festival Plaza to a certain level, when you're talking to visitors, you can say, I like your outfit. And they'll, um, then you'll have the opportunity to trade festival points for whatever piece of outfit they randomly decide to offer. Interesting. So, like, I was able to get a stripy red halter top, even though I have moon, and red items do not exist in the world of moon. I was so excited in sun. I got up to a place that had jeans, and they were blue because they're jeans. And I was like, oh my god, I didn't, like, I've been wanting jeans so long, but I'd resigned myself to never getting any blue pants because I was playing sun. And the moment I saw them, I was just like, I almost cried. I was so happy. See, I had no idea about the exclusive fashion item thing. I was just, like, going through and I was like, why isn't anything red? Like, there's an occasional pink thing. Why can't I get, like, a red shirt or red pants or red glasses? And, like, red's not even my favorite color. I just like occasionally having something something red to change up the blue-black-greenness. Um... So yeah. I was, I was, yeah, I, I, I didn't know it was exclusive either. And I was going through this. I was like, why is there nothing blue or green? Like, I don't understand. And eventually, oh, and I, I really think like- Jay told me and he was like, oh yeah, exclusive. And I was just like, what? That's a thing. Like if I'd known that I would have gotten moon. So I could have gotten blue and green clothes. Yeah. And like, I, I really like being able to have red glasses. Cause like, I don't wear red glasses anymore, but I do have a pair of red glasses and I think it looks good on little Sprite avatar things. But I can't do that. I mean, in I don't think. I've except I'm saving up my berries glasses. because you can dye things in Festival Plaza yeah. with berries. Yeah. So, but then I'm wondering if I can still get a pair of white glasses because, like, I like my white glasses and how they look. But hey, listeners, this has turned into a very important conversation. <laughs> Pokemon fashion so you know. is very important. Um, <laughs> it is. I'm so happy they brought it back. I mean, I'm so not surprised because I think because. Customizing characters is such a thing in games nowadays. Like, players love doing it so much. And especially when it comes to Pokemon, when, like, the player character is so... They're not really a character. They're quite open to just, like, whatever. They're just the person you're playing as you go through this journey. Well, you already customized them with your Pokemon party and all of that. Like, why not the player themselves? And so I'm glad Nintendo, well, Nintendo, Game Freak, has started, like, does this now. Well, like, the Japanese gaming preferences are often different from the American gaming preferences, you know, like yeah, but I mean those, even like, then, preferences like that are, you know, often very different so like open world is way bigger in the US than it is in Japanese, uh, in Japanese games but like, so I wasn't totally sure if they would, you know, bring it back or like they have some things that are region exclusives, like the acro bike and the mock bike being, you know exclusive to Hoenn and, like, because Kalos and X and Y is basically Polka France, I was worried that they were going to be like, France equals fashion, so we'll just make it exclusive. So I'm really happy that they didn't. I mean, Jap- Japan does have sucked. different, like, game things, but also games like Final Fantasy and Pokemon are largely advertised for the Western world as well. They are they are made for both audiences, um, which is why, like, Final Fantasy, the, the 13 games have gotten largely open world. Like, that's, like, 13 games. Um, 15, which 14. used to be a 13 game. I- I was um, gonna say thirteen. Um, isn't thirteen like not liked very much in the U.S. because it's super linear? <laughs> it's the story is, but once you get off of Pulse, no, once you get onto Pulse, I don't remember. I haven't played the game a long time. Once you get out of the cocoon world and get onto the actual world, it's very large. 
Um, and I've, quite I, I've never I've never played it. I honestly just have never had an issue with linear stories in games because I grew up playing JRPGs. Yeah, so. no, I, I love linear it's, stories it's, because it's, I have ADHD and linear stories help me so much with that. But um, like no, like some Japanese games, a lot of Japanese games, obviously for Japanese audiences, like the Persona games and stuff like that. But when it comes to Pokemon, which is such, it's a worldwide phenomena, they're going to do yeah. things that are for a worldwide audience. Um, and thus the, um, yeah. thus you're choosing your like complexion and hair color at the beginning of the game. Oh my God. I'm so glad. Like in this game, in the, in X, like you could have, they had different skin tones, but like the darker skin tone wasn't actually that dark in sun and moon. Like it's so much darker now. And I'm glad that they made that choice. Yes, it's very nice. I'm also happy that they made it so you can change your hair from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, that's always Even if I do miss the, like, certain haircuts from X and Y. I wish there were more hair options. I do like the romantic tuck. It's very cute. I've been doing um, medium wavy with side-swept bangs. Oh, yes, that one's pretty cute, too. I do like the side-swept bangs. (sighs) Welcome to Pokemon Fashion Space. That is our new podcast now. I'm sorry. You're going to have to deal with this yeah. for the foreseeable future. Sorry, guys. <laughs> like Pokemon. So, speaking of that, we have talked a lot. So, possibly time to go to listener responses or Twitter responses. Twitter responses from listeners. Yeah. Last time, we asked about um, what some of your guys' ace headcanons are. And we got responses. And we also got some more tea recommendations. Thank, Thank you for that. With all of this. We, we love those. <laughs> Alyssa says that she always imagined Ender Wiggins um, from Ender's Game as Ace, even before she knew what that was. Like, she's never read the sequels, and he was 11, but it's legit. I mean, I've only seen the movie, but I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's been a while since I read that book, too, but no, I can, I can definitely see that. And, like, he's 11, but, like, some of his peers have, like, little crushes and stuff going on, so... Yeah, like we said before, crushes get put into things, even if they are kids. And also, kids do get crushes. Yeah. It just can get exhausting when kids' stuff has crushes forced and, like, weirdly forced in there all the time, constantly. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can I can 100% see Ender as being ace. Yeah. So, thank you, Alyssa. Alyssa's cool. I know Alyssa. Optimist School Studios, on their Twitter account, at Optimisticals say that they are 100% for Arrow Maria Hill. Oh, sorry. Optimistical Studios is a small independent jewelry making company. Not company. What am I saying? Um, it's, a, it's a couple who makes jewelry in uh, Portland. Ooh. And you can go to their website at Optimisticals and get some good stuff. I've got actually quite a lot of their stuff, including Ace and Arrow Pride jewelry. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yep. And they're, you know, pretty cool folks. But yeah, so I think this is from Adrian. Hi, Adrian. It might not be from Adrian, but hi, Adrian, anyways. <laughs> and hi, Mick. Yeah, so Arrow Maria Hill. I can dig it. I can definitely dig it. I like it. I like it a lot. Me too. Like, I don't read the Avengers books much, so most of what I know of Maria Hill comes from the MCU. But yeah, I can, I can definitely dig that. Would we read her as, like, by Arrow? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I've never thought about Maria Hill that much because I only know her from the movies and also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I guess she was in that once. Yeah. And then Nick, also on Twitter, says Jane Solo. Yes. I mean, I don't know Jane yes. Solo that much, but I'm always excited about Star Wars. Yes. Oh, yeah, because you know not much of the EU that was. 
But yes, I can, like Arrow Ace Jaina, who's just like in, interested in fixing ships and piloting, I can 100% get around. Awesome. That would be super cool. Also, you need to read the Young Jedi Knights books. Oh, Saf. I'll get there one day. There's so many you, books. You should do it. I'll no. tell Bria you haven't read them yet, and then she will fly down there and she make you read She already knows. Them. Everyone knows. <laughs> Everyone knows I don't care about the old EU. <laughs> but, but, but Tenelka. I'll get to them when eventually Rogue Quadrant gets that fire. And I'll come. Okay. Well, Amanda, fellow contributor on Toshi Station. Um, let's see here. Arrow Ace Ray. Yes. 100% which yes. she apparently has, was kind of hoping for that before she even like had a name for it. But yes, we are behind you on that. Especially Saf. But yeah. I also think that would be awesome. <laughs> um. Yes. She wasn't so much responding to the question as like commenting on that. And then I I, like jumped on it and was like, hey, Amanda, (laughs) this is relevant. Okay. Maya Mako. From Korra? Yep. Interesting. As Arrow. She's not sure about Ace, but definitely Arrow. Interesting. That would explain a lot of the weird difficulty stuff. Yes. Well, maybe not a lot of it, but. If nothing else, that would explain some of it. Also, he's terrible at communicating. I mean, that could just be from him being a dude. <laughs> I don't know. Bolin, <laughs> Bolin communicates much better than he does. Yeah, Bolin's a sweetie. I'm sorry. I'm so mean to Mako. Um- <laughs> hey, after season two, it's totally understandable. Especially the, the garbage she pulled on Korra when she had amnesia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not super fond of that character, but I can definitely dig an Arrowhead cannon for him. Yeah, so... That's pretty cool. Yes. Thank you, Maya. That is a wonderful idea. We shall treasure always. Maybe not always. Maybe not. (laughs) But, you know. Yeah. Um, Do you watch Supergirl, Saf? Nope. Okay, you should. Do you mind character spoilers? I I already know the spoiler, I think. Okay. Hey, listeners, if you do mind character spoilers for Supergirl, we are about to talk a little bit about them. Um, also, you should watch Supergirl. It's lots of fun. You too, Saf. You should also watch Supergirl. Ugh, I hate superhero TV shows. Oh, fine. <laughs> like This is like a, a, a one that embraces the goofy, but fine. Yeah, no, I've heard that. And I love Supergirl, but I just... I have discovered that I just can't get into any superhero TV show. Is it any, or is it just, like, the serious ones that have been happening lately? It is any. I've tried, like, most, and I just can't. Okay, well, that's fair. So, Katrina Ann on Twitter says Alex Danvers, at least on the first season of Supergirl. So she headcanoned Alex Danvers as Ace and or Arrow for the first season of Supergirl, which I think really works and is pretty awesome. And Alex Danvers is extremely kick-ass. She is uh, Supergirl's adoptive sister. And then she said, not so much for this season for obvious reasons. Those obvious reasons are the spoiler, and it is that she has come out as gay. Yay! Yay! And it's really awesome. And there have been now been multiple kisses on screen on the show. Oh so that's cool. That is amazing. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. definitely didn't know it's, about that. And it's very exciting. It's it's very exciting, and it's, like, after that weird moment last season where, like, there was a completely inappropriate song choice during a um, touching mother, what was supposed to be a touching mother-daughter scene, this is way better. <laughs> Sorry, my brain just jumps at that a lot now. It's like, <laughs> why would you play a sapphic cover of Take Me to Church during this scene? It doesn't make any sense. Do yeah. they not know what the song is? 
I mean, oh maybe. My God. Yeah. So, yeah. Entertaining but weird moment last season. But anywho, yeah. She could still be gray or demi-romantic this season, I think. Um, which would also fit in with what she was saying when she came out. Katrina's response to that was, yes, this this is true, but she mostly just wanted her to get back to kicking ass and stop worrying about her love life. Um, and this exchange, this exchange happened during um, like re- like relationship sexuality angst time, so understandable. Yeah. So anyway, it looks like she'll be getting back to kicking ass and worrying less about her love life now because um, she's got a girlfriend now. So yes, that was exciting. Oh. And Katrina Ann also says Rachel Duncan on on Orphan Black is Arrow. Yes, which I one hundred percent into that. Yes. Oh my yes. god. Yes. Yes. When I first read that, like for some reason, I mixed up Rachel and Allison. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, Allison definitely not. I Rachel mean, definitely yes. Hell yes, yes. That's good. Also, you guys should watch Orphan Black. It's good. Oh, it's so good. So good. Yep. It's. I have no clue what's even happening in the show anymore, but I love it so much. I still need to, like, catch up on this most recent season. I watch the first few episodes, and then we just kind of... Like, I, I watch it with my mom, and we don't always agree on when to watch what. And I also like certain show, like intense shows to be able to pause them and do something else Yeah, occasionally. So that makes it harder to watch it. But it's good. So, Sarah Dempster, who we both love dearly. So much. Yes. As head canon, Ace Luke Skywalker, since before she knew what asexuality was. Yeah, I told her about this one a lot, and because I, I totally see this as well. I 100% agree with you, Sarah. Yeah. So that's one that I can I can see and I would like, but I don't know. I'm not, I've never been 100% behind it as far as, hmm, I don't know. Maybe I just don't want to get my hopes up. I mean, um, I totally also, don't expect it to be a thing in the actual canon, but also, whatever. I see it anyway. Yeah. It'd be cool if it was a thing in the actual canon, but it would yeah. also be cool if we had like characters who aren't Ace still able to get through a story without it being about their relationship at the end. Yeah, but that'll never happen. So maybe one day. Okay. Why is it hiding? Why is it hiding? No, I'm like I'm just having to scroll through so much. Oh my god, what level does Growlithe evolve at? Um, Firestone. Oh my god, really? <laughs> <Yes>. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, I've had a Firestone for so long. <laughs> See, but I think Arcanine is another one of the ones that doesn't learn attacks after you evolve it. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'm oh, waiting okay. until I'm like in the 50s before I evolve Growlithe. 50s or 60s. I've been waiting for so long. I did finally evolve my Pikachu, though. I haven't evolved my Pikachu. I, I hit 58 and got Thunder because I didn't feel like spending, what, 30,000 Poké Dollars on the TM. Yeah, that's what I'm doing, too. I'm just waiting until it lands under. So I'll probably kick it out of my team when I get, like, something else I like more. Yeah. Oh, and you have the, um, Salandit, right? Yeah. You know, it's weird evolution thing? Yeah. Okay. Only, I, only the ladies evolve. Yeah, I ha- I got a female one, especially get a Celestial, and now that it's ready to evolve, I don't want it to because I like Salandit too much. It's so great. I love it. It's but, so cute. Yeah. It's such a... It's like a little cackly lizard. I love it. And I don't want a weird sexual lizard. It scares me a little bit. Just because it's basically just a scaly. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> and it makes me a little bit uncomfortable to have it in my body. <laughs> Are we going to leave in this part of the conversation? Um, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, it looks like that might be... Oh, no, that's not it. There's also received one on DM. Ooh. A listener says they have always had canon Castiel from Supernatural as Ace. That's interesting. I don't watch Supernatural. Yeah, but. I neither. I only know about uh, Castiel because of fandom. <laughs> but <laughs> that is definitely interesting. And you go with that headcanon, buddy. Yeah. And it's also interesting if you look at it from like a theological standpoint, because Castiel is, I believe, an angel, yes? Yeah. Yeah, like the name is extremely angel-y. And yeah, so there's the whole thing about, like the whole discussion of angels, whether or not they should be depicted as asexual in fiction and stuff. So that's like an interesting coincidental headcanon there, too, because I have no idea if Supernatural goes with that reading. I have no clue. From the fandom, I gather it's a very gay reading, but... Who knows? Well, but it's like, it's, you know, super who That's how they read things in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I believe that is it as far as those particular responses go. But there's still the, um, what was it, hot cocoa or tea recommendation? Let me see it was here. A hot cocoa, I think. We got so many different, like, we got so many responses and also just so much, like, conversation. We really want to thank you guys for it. It's making scrolling through this an adventure. Okay, Trader Joe's put out a peppermint hot chocolate for the holidays. Oh my god. What they say is flame emoji, flame emoji, flame emoji. That is the highest recommendation. That's Katrina Ann again. I I now live in a place with Trader Joe's for the first time ever, and I will have to check that out. I like you, Katrina. You've got good opinions. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I I got sent... Oh, what is... Tim Hortons. I got sent some Tim Hortons candy cane hot chocolate last year around Christmas time, and... I've been, like, refusing to drink it because it's so good. I don't want to run out. And I drank some last night. And it's still really good. And I'm so mad that it's in Canada because I can't get more. I'm going to say, Saf, what kind of American are you drinking Tim Hortons? Look, it's, I want to be a Canadian, okay? Just let me, let me live don't in my Don't we all? World. Don't we all? Yeah. Like, why did I not stay in Canada when I was living there? Yeah, gosh. Good. <laughs> oh, right. It's because I was horribly depressed and not in a great housing situation and also there for grad school i mean that would do it too yeah it's canada it's true also they didn't have mountains in edmonton and that was just kind of sad oh you're in edmonton doesn't that place get like really cold it got really cold in edmonton yes because it's in the prairies so it gets really hot in the summer and really cold in the winter and it's like it is definitely south of anchorage but i was getting pretty cold right yeah and also we had a um they don't really get tornadoes there very often. Guess what? The one summer I stayed at my apartment in Edmonton, tornado warning. Huh. Yeah. And it was on a Wednesday, so I couldn't even go out and get my comics. Or rather, I chose not to. The next day when I got my comics, the folks at the comic shop said that people actually did come and of buy course. comics. Of course they did. During the tornado warning. It was... <laughs> yep. Yeah. I missed that comic shop. It was a good comic shop. Cool people work there. And it was like a two-minute walk from my apartment, which was very nice. Yeah, that's always good. Yes. And it was right between, like, or it was right next to a Japanese place and an ice cream place and a noodle place and a coffee shop that also had Indian food. And right across the street from another Japanese place and a cupcake shop and oh a little movie theater. Wow. It was ridiculous. It's like all just in two little strip malls facing each other, like a two-minute walk from my apartment. That's amazing. Edmonton has magical places. Well, maybe one day I'll move there and then freeze to death. Freeze to death. Yeah, I was going to say. 
also Alberta is like I, I believe it has been described as the most conservative province. I know it's supposed to be like the, the Texas of Canada because there's like the, the cowboy thing going on and the oil industry and prairies. Right. And as I mentioned, the like cowboy culture and stuff. But I think that's mostly centered around like Calgary, though. Yeah. Anywho, thank you so much for your responses, guys. And also for the listeners who started listening to us during Ace Awareness Week. Hi. Hi. We're really excited to have you guys. We really are excited. Yeah. And okay, wait. Did we want to? What, what did I ask? Ask their opinions on Ramona Blur because I'm a little bit curious. Oh yes. So question for this time, along with the eternal request for more recommendations for delicious warm drinks, especially in this time when both Saf and I, being Americans, very much need comforting drinks. Please recommend me cold drinks. Yes. Summer is so hot. I'm dying. But still, we both need comforting drinks. Yes. Things suck for Americans right now, even if not all of us know it. We would also like to know your thoughts on Ramona Blue, which is, again, that YA book that, or not necessarily on Ramona Blue in and of itself, but even on just the um, having a book depict a character with a underrepresented minority identity changing their identity or discovering that their identity is or discovering a different way to identify themselves in the book and just like some of your thoughts on that maybe how that could be done well how that could be done poorly if that is something that should be done at all at this particular point in time then again you can specifically talk about Ramona Blue if you'd like or you can you know talk about other things also and also, actually, I forgot to talk about this before, but on a similar note, there is a webcomic that has, it was a journal webcomic that has since completed by Erica Moan called Dar, a super girly top secret comic diary, which it follows the life of the creator Erica Moan a bit and a lot of her identity stuff going on there. And one of the things that happened, like, there's a lot of, like her perception of her identity changes quite a bit over the course of this webcomic. So I'm also going to link to this, but at the beginning of this autobiographical comic, she's identifying as, or she identified as a lesbian. And as it went on with this comic, she continued identifying as queer, but like her identity changes uh, throughout it. So that seemed relevant to the discussion of uh, Ramona blue. And also it's just a, a really good, webcomic though if you are sex repulsed then you might want to avoid it as this is also the creator of oh joy sex toy oh i've read one that of comic the... yeah no this is i mean i've read the... the one you're talking about <laughs> oh okay yeah yes yeah. yeah so yeah right now she's working on a her and her husband are working on a thing called oh joy sex toy which you know lets you know she's very frank about sexual matters so if you are sex repo- repulsed you might you know, be less comfortable reading it. Or if you'd rather just not read web comics with, uh, that talk about sex much, it's very understandable because there are a lot of autobiographical comics out there that talk a lot about sex. So, you know, just letting you folks know. But yeah, so this definitely seems relevant to that particular discussion. I will also put a link for this in the show notes. That is at darkcomic.com in case you are on 
uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes and do not see the show notes, darcomic.com. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, just hit us up with your thoughts on these things because I am curious. And also whether or not you think you'll read Ramona Blue when it comes out. Yes. Which I might think I'll see what the reviews say as far as like what kind of story it is just because like the literary fiction I'm going to say because that will annoy certain (laughs) pretentious authors like young adult literary fiction you know it can really go either way for me just because I do find some of it alienating because it is clearly like well written and relatable for many people and I just can't connect with it yeah that that'll depend I'll see yeah I will see yeah and you said you'd probably read it I mean, I'll see the reviews, but if they sound like they'll be good, then I'll probably read it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Because I, I do like reading about queer ladies. Like right now I'm reading um, uh, A Fire and Stars, I think it is. Let me see. Got it right here. Yes, A Fire by Stars by Audrey Colthurst. Colthurst. Oh, yeah. Colthurst. One of the two. Which is a, a YA fantasy lesbian romance. Cool. So... That's pretty cool. About two princesses. Um, there's also like a lot of political intrigue going on. Because one of the princesses can use magic and must hide this because she is engaged to the prince of a kingdom where magic is extremely taboo. Right. So, so far that's pretty fun. If you want a recommendation for a book about queer ladies, they are not asexual. But oh. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Alright. Should we wrap up the show today? We should. The intro music for this episode and the previous episodes as well is Goodbye Moon by the esteemed Marion Call. And the outro music is Stars by the excellent Seth Boyer. Links to both of their sites are available in the show notes and you should check them out because they're amazing. Also, they're really nice people. Yeah. Like, seriously, they're just awesome people. And if you see Seth, you should totally talk to him about Sailor Moon if you like Sailor Moon. Because, yes. (laughs) He likes Sailor Moon too. I'm not like trying to troll him or anything yeah yeah yes so seth is super cool you should say hi to him same with marion they're both cool you can find me on twitter as at R- uh, Riorin, r-y-o-r-i-n and you can find saf as well on twitter oh my god i just found a ditto yes you can find me on twitter <laughs> <laughs> Yes! <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Wanderlustin, W-A-N-D-R-L-U-S-T-I-N. And you can also find me on my website, notsafwork.com. And the show Twitter account is at AcePacePod on Twitter. And uh, you can also email us, Acepace at TashiStation.net. That's with a hyphen between Tashi and Station. And, of course, you can find our podcast in general at Tashi Station. .net again with the hyphen toshi hyphen station.net um and you can find our show and subscribe on the iTunes store and on Google Play yes subscribe and leave us a nice review please yes ooh ooh another thing that you can talk to us about is pokemon oh yes tell us your party tell us what you like about it tell us your favorite game just talk to us about pokemon yes please tell us about pokemon basically yeah. What what is your favorite Pokemon region? Mm. Oh my god, I called the ditto. Okay. Um <laughs> Yes. I need to stop playing Pokemon while I'm podcasting. This is a bad habit. Yeah, so I actually actively avoided it. I thought, could should I play Pokemon while I'm podcasting? 
no, because then I won't even be able to read the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Too into it. <laughs> so I didn't even notice. Good job. I've had a lot of practice over the last few podcasts I've done. <laughs> so yeah, that. that is where you can find us and you should have us on the, up, us, hit us up on the Twitter because it is a very talkative Twitter. It's largely show because she is great at it. Hit us Thanks. up and listen to our episode and be sure to subscribe. Yes. Also, we just like talking on Twitter. Oh, right. We have like an ending line now. Oh, yeah, we do. You want to say it this time? All right. Oh my God. I'm so excited. So that's us for November. Join us next month for our December episode, our special end of year episode, maybe. I was going to um, say, isn't this, when did this be our December episode? Oh, no, it will be. This is our December episode. Like, we, we, took a, we, we took a break in November because not only was certain events very stressful for us, but you had a fantastic trip. Yep. Okay, there we go. I am terrible at, and had a, at date and, and had a lot of stuff to do. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is our December episode. Happy December. We'll catch you next time. And for now, ace out. Ace out. <laughs>